Hello, and welcome to another installment of Two Minute Drill presented by Deep Dive Sports. I'm your host tonight, Greg. I'm joined today by Nick and Dominic. What up? What's up, everyone? We're going to go over basic uh, first down, second down, third down, fourth down, and then two-point conversion at the end with our topics. So for our first down today, what did you guys take away from last week in the NFL? Um, I think that I took away that I think the past couple of years, they've been trying really hard to limit those injuries, especially to that quarterback position, but it's just a part of the game. And I think that we need to kind of go back to some of those plays and styles that we had before where they weren't as like, oh, you, you touched my quarterback, penalized, and I just need to let the guys play because people are going to get injured, and that's just how it goes. Unfortunately, that's part of the game. That's why it's that's why it's a violent sport. I just think that some of these new rules and some of these news that they're trying have just kind of taken away from what it from what it's supposed to be, and I just don't think it's really working keeping people on the field. You know what I mean, especially at that quarterback position. So that's kind of what I took away. Was there anything specific that we lost, happened? We lost three quarterbacks in like a span of like forty five minutes because <laughs> Andy Dalton went down, Sam Darnold went down, and then was it Terod Taylor? Went yeah. Down? So it was all in like a span of like 45 minutes. And it's, I mean, these are starting quarterbacks of teams. You know what I mean? Andy Dalton and Justin Fields are kind of in a debate right now, but whether or not we liked it, Andy Dalton was the starting quarterback. And then, uh, no, sorry, it wasn't Sam Dal- Dalton. It was uh, Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz went down. Yeah, he twisted both angles, which like, yeah. if you saw the footage on that, was just, that was like almost like some Dak stuff where I was like, your foot should not bend like that anyway whatsoever. He's the most unlucky man when it comes to getting injured. Like, I, right. I, I know a lot of people blame him for all the injuries, but like you, you look at a lot of his injuries and they're just like, they're just freak things. And I, you know what I mean? As somebody who's gone through three freak injuries, sometimes some people are just a little bit more unlucky than others. You know what I mean? But like I said, I, I think that, you have all these injuries and then injuries to other positions. Like you see the Ravens are pretty much decimated at running back. I mean, Le'Veon Bell went from not having a job to be running back number one in Baltimore within like what, three weeks, less than three weeks. And then their secondary is pretty much done. I mean, it's just, it's just how it goes. It's, it's the nature of the game. And I think that at the end of the day, you know, obviously we don't want the head to head contact stuff. We want to keep, you know, players from hitting with the crown of their helmet. Cause that, that prevents injuries on both sides. But I just think maybe we need to kind of go back to supposed to be instead of this like, oh, like I said, you have to pick up the quarterback, set him down, tuck him in. You know what I mean? Like the wide receivers, like you can't hit them until a certain point or whatever it may be. And we're just missing a part of the game. And that's just kind of Don't let the boys play football. Yeah. What about you, Dom? What did you take away from this last week in the NFL? Um, I think one the the biggest thing that I took away is, you know, Sometimes it's not the best to rush your rookie quarterback into playing. Um, I know all the fans want the rookie quarterback to start every game and, you know, change the team. But, you know, looking at how Trevor Lawrence has played the last couple of weeks um, and same with uh, Zach Wilson in in New York, it doesn't look like they were necessarily ready to play. I'm not doubting their talent. You know, I'm I'm sure in time they're going to be, you know, solid NFL quarterbacks, but I feel like maybe they were rushed into starting uh, a little bit before they were ready to, you know, not, again, not saying that they're going to be bad quarterbacks going forward, but, you know, maybe they just needed some time to sit behind a veteran, learn how to be an NFL quarterback and, 
kind of adjust from going from college to the NFL, which, which there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, you look at Pat Mahomes, Pat Mahomes sat behind Alex Smith for a year, you know, learned how to, how to be a pro quarterback because being a, a pro quarterback is a lot different than being an NFL or, or college quarterback. So there's nothing wrong with, you know, sitting for half a season to a season and, and learning the game. But my takeaway is that they were rushed into, into playing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, what I kind of take from that is that it's been we've had a lot of like elite quarterbacks that have been around for a while. And then there was this gap of not so many elite quarterbacks that that stuck around for a while. And then you just have these programs that don't have the the guys to be able to stay in their positions. And you're rushing to get somebody new just to fill a void that, you know, instead of having your your, your place kicker, the one passing the ball. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I, I think like. Because we we could probably all say like let's let's use the the Andy Dalton Justin I think we've had this conversation off off a podcast we can kind of have it on here now but I think that we can all agree that Justin Fields is probably like the better talent at the quarterback position but that doesn't mean that he's ready to play the quarterback position in the NFL right. and I think like like to Dom's point you look at you know Trevor Lawrence you look at Zach Wilson and like it's not that they're not talented it's just like they're in a bad situation. They're trying to learn how to be NFL players. They're trying to learn how to manage being an NFL player on and off the field that comes with being a professional. And then, you know, all those deals that they do off the field, those kinds of things, you know, managing all this money that they have now, all this, you know, new, you know, fame and power in their own choices in life. A lot of these guys come from college and especially these guys, they didn't get, they're not getting to experience all this NIL stuff. So they're in their, they're in all this stuff. This is all new. And then now you throw them on teams that just aren't really that good. Like they were never going to compete to begin with. So you look at a team like Jacksonville, it might've been smart to sit Trevor Lawrence for a year and then maybe keep Gardner Minshew and let him play. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And let him, he kind of has that experience. You know what I mean? Cause you're, you're not, you're not going to make the playoffs with Jacksonville and it's just not going to happen. Right. So, and then the Jets should have gone out there and gotten a guy to play, you know, then, and I just, they've kind of set themselves now. And then these guys, what, they're going to play for two or three years and they're not going to develop because they don't have the team around them and they just can't think about it. And then what, you have another Sam Darnold situation where you ship them off and then they're, they're better where they, you know, they're better in their new place than what they were with you. Like, it's just, right. it's crazy. Yeah. I think we're going to see that unfortunately happen a little bit over and over again for the next couple of years until we can get some elite quarterbacks to step up and actually start commanding that field. So my takeaway from this last week in the NFL was that the Vegas Raiders are no joke. I did not think that the Vegas Raiders would be 2-0. and Derek Carr would be leading uh, the league in passing yards. You know, they, they joined just what the Broncos, Buccaneers, 49ers, and Rams is the ones with the 2-0 record. Like, I... Every game that I've watched with them, it just seems like John Gruden has got like a different mission out. You know, and I think that that they are just a team that's going to be a force of nature this year. And like I've always said that, you know, you and I have had this conversation, Nick, that that Gruden has got probably as a coach has got one of the best football IQs I can think of. Just knows exactly where things should be, how it should be, and and I think it's a little bit coming into fruition. And I think that the Vegas Raiders are are going to surprise some people this year. Yeah, I think that you look at it and a lot of people question some of their draft picks, but I think that he went long haul. Like he understood that he was going to he was going to take some guys that needed developed a little bit, but once he was able to develop them into pros, then they were going to be a good team. 
and they have a lot of young guys who they developed over the past two or three that now are in a position to really kind of you know, produce for them. And when you add when you add Rugs on the outside, who's probably one of the faster guys in the league, you put a you you add Darren Waller to that team a couple of years ago, like mm-hmm. that's that that, and then you got Josh Jacobs, and that's that's a good offense. And Derek Carr is not. I know a lot of people are out there questioning whether or not he should be considered a top five quarterback. Like I don't think he's top five, but he's definitely like top eight quarterback in the league. Like he's he's a good quarterback when when he has the right weapons around him when they're clicking when they're moving. He he can be kind of an MVP caliber quarterback, but it's just whether or not he's going to stay consistent. So that's definitely a team to look out for going into the playoffs. I think that I was telling Greg earlier off off the air here that I think you know, Denver and, and Las Vegas are going to be teams to kind of see going in, into the playoffs if they both make it, that they could be teams that nobody really wants to play because they're pretty solid on both sides of the ball and they, they can get it done. Completely. All right, moving on to our second down. The first topic for second down is a, what player do you guys think we should watch out for in this next week and why? I'll start with you on this one, Dom. So... Uh, this week, I'm going to go away from Jameis uh, like I have the last couple weeks. I'm going to go with Baker Mayfield as my uh, player to watch this week. I want to see how he does without Jarvis. Um, he was added to the IR, so he's going to miss at least three games. OBJ might be back this week, maybe not. Um, so I want to see how he does with Donovan Peoples-Jones, Rashard Higgins, um, Anthony Schwartz, and you know maybe a little bit of Demetrius Felton out of the backfield. Um, Baker, he's played really well so far this season. Um, he has the only one touchdown, um, but his completion percentage is 81%. He's averaging nine or 10.9 yards per pass attempt, which are both career highs. Um, he looks confident and in control of the offense. I just want to see how he does without both Jarvis and OBJ and see if he can still you know, perform at the level that he has been so far this season, even though the, the touchdowns may not be there yet. Um, all the other metrics are there and I'm, uh, the touchdowns are going to come with time, but you know, as long as he keeps getting them into the red zone, then you hand it off to Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt who just run it in the end zone. You don't really need him to throw for 40 touchdown passes. I would hope Kareem Hunt for my fantasy team, but it doesn't <laughs> seem to be happening this year. What about yeah. you, Nick? I, I do like Dom's player to watch. I mean, just kind of going off of that. It's like, they don't need him to throw touchdowns because those guys are averaging like six yards carry, I think, or close to it. Yeah. Both of them. So, yeah, he just needs to get them in, inside the 20 and they'll score touchdowns. Which which is what he has been doing. I mean, the the one interception he threw last week, if Anthony Schwartz, you know, puts his hands up and tries to go for the pass, you know, that's probably not an interception. And then the interception against Kansas City, he was hit as he was throwing. and. Mm-hmm. He's trying to throw the ball out of bounds, and you know, as he was falling, didn't get enough power under the throw, and it was picked off. But well, I I believe I went with the Steelers' offensive line last week. Not much to watch. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, there there was a lot to watch. It just wasn't good. Yeah, um, but I think the person I'm going to go with this week to watch is not going to be a player. It's going to be a coach, Urban Meyer. For me, I would just like to see how he kind of how he handles his quarterback not playing well, and how he handles losing. There's lots of you kind of see lots of pictures and videos and he just doesn't look, I don't, I don't know if it's just his face, but it just doesn't look like he's interested or happy. And I don't know if, cause it's just, he's losing and not things aren't going the way he wants it to go. But I think it's interesting to see like how he kind of helps this team rebound from these past two losses. And now he helps his quarterback rebound from, I think he has five 
interceptions, five or six mm-hmm. interceptions in the first two weeks. So, but I mean, he has like five touchdown passes. So he's not, it's not that he can't put the ball in the end zone. It's just, just not seeing stuff the way that he should. So I think my person to watch is going to be Urban Meyer just to kind of see how he galvanizes those guys and kind of maybe helps his quarterback get a little bit better and maybe out of his own competitive. Okay, Urban Myers, that's that's one to watch. We'll we'll see how that goes. So I picked Amari Cooper last week and was severely disappointed with his three receptions for 24 yards. Had a, such a breakout game against the Buccaneers in Week One and just did nothing last week. So that was kind of a wash for me. But I'm gonna kind of steal from you, I believe, last week, Dom, with a uh, Taylor Heineke. Um, I started watching that. Washington game uh, versus the Giants, and I I was thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly impressed with his abilities, yeah. his just ability to to put those that ball in in spots that I, were just uncatchable to me. Like you know, we're just gonna throw it up there, and that that catch in the end zone in the the fourth quarter was just was just miraculous. I mean, he he finished the game with 458 yards, a TD or three TDs and one interception. His QBR was like 104. It's the first time in a while that I was watching a game on a player that I had no idea who they were, and I was like, "This kid's legit." I'm I'm excited to watch yeah. this and see. And like, I found myself rooting for the Reds. Or I'm sorry, <laughs> the Washington Football Team throughout the remainder of the game. Yeah, he's he's legit. I think I don't know if he's gonna be like, you know, one of these guys that we're like, you know, talking about in one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. But I think that if he continues to play like this. I don't think Fitzpatrick has a job when he comes back. So No. And like I said last week, I think he's gonna play well enough to solidify himself as the starter. And then yeah, I just he's cause you, you kinda watched him come in in when he played against the Buccaneers in the playoffs. He just does whatever it takes to you know, he kinda has that same grit and bravado almost like when you you know Gardner Menchie play or when, when you watch Baker Mayfield play, like it's not always gonna be pretty, it's not always gonna be perfect, but they're gonna do whatever it takes to win you know <laughs> and there there's no questioning yeah. their heart and how much yeah. they're putting into the game like when you see guys like that it it does make you like the love the game of football to see yeah. guys like that out there playing it yeah well and you know he it's hard not to root for players like that because he is an underdog he came from the xfl and made his way onto an nfl roster like it's it's hard not to you know root for the guy all right so starting with our second topic in the second down segment did Aaron Rodgers redeem himself last night at Monday Night Football, or should the Packers and their fans be a little worried still? Tom, what do you think? Honestly, yeah, week one was bad, but I didn't really expect him to have that great of a game. Um, he wasn't there at all during the offseason. I think I think maybe he showed up like last couple of weeks at training camp, didn't participate in, in preseason at all. So, I mean – yeah, he was probably going to be a little bit rusty, but I mean, it's it's Aaron Rodgers. You know, he's one of the greatest quarterbacks that you know, we've probably ever seen. So I don't, I don't really think he needed to needed to redeem himself for having one bad game because, you know, even the greats have a bad game every now and then. But you know, he showed us last night that he's still Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I definitely think that. I mean, you, like you said, you had a, an MVP season last year, and then you have one bad game, and then a pretty great game last night if you you know if, if whatever you think is 22 for 27 four touchdowns no interceptions 255 yards i definitely 
I think there was no redeeming necessary because everybody's allowed to have a bad day and he just needed to get a little tune up in him and, and move forward. So I, I completely agree that there's not a worry in the Packers. The word, the worry of the Packers is that he's going to be gone in here and that's like almost guaranteed. So yeah, Nick, I, I don't know. I, I don't think that the redeeming himself, like play wise, cause I, I do agree with you guys. And, in the fact of it's Aaron Rodgers, like he's he's not gonna have many of those games. You know what I mean? He's gonna have more games like he did Monday night than than what he did last. So I just don't think play wise he needed to redeem himself. I just think it was the attitude that he had about the whole game, the way that he presented himself, the way that he kind of went about it, the way that he just nonchalantly was. I think that was I think that was a big thing that he needed to redeem himself with with the with the fans, with the city of you know Green Bay. I think that even though we all know that this is his last season with the Packers, like to go out there and act that way and present yourself that way and kind of play in a way that you just didn't care. Cause there was just some things that you saw him do where you're like, he's never done that before. He's never made that mistake. So he just went out there and didn't, he didn't care. And I think that that's like, if this is going to be your last season, if this is your swan song as a Packer before you go off and, and go to another team, because obviously you feel a certain way and that's fine, I guess. But don't don't carry yourself that way. That's not that's not what that's not what you want them to remember you as. You want them to remember you, even though you know you're leaving. Go out there and try to still win them Super Bowl. Like, don't don't carry yourself like that ever again. He needed to redeem himself for that. And I think Monday night was a good step in that direction. But I think he still has a lot in order to kind of I don't know earn that. Like. We'll put a statue in. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. But I, mean, I honestly uh, think that his there are already, you know, most of the people in Green Bay are are, are already cast him aside, and he, they're just hoping that maybe they can win a championship with him, you know, this year, and then they'll say goodbye. But I don't think a lot of people are celebrating him. No, I I disagree. I think they, I I still think that they they worship him up there. You know, the, you know, not that I want to speak for the entire state of Wisconsin, but. You know, I, I would I would think that a lot of them would feel that the disconnect between Rogers and the organization is mostly on the organization, not not really Aaron. So I don't know. I, I still think that at the end of the day, he's one of if if not the the greatest quarterback that they've ever had, either him or Brett Favre. So I, I still think that they're gonna they're gonna build a statue of him outside the stadium and retire his number either way. I don't know. You just, if I was a green person, a Green Bay, a fan of Green Bay, I'd be very disappointed. You've had in 30 years, basically, you've had two Hall of Fame quarterbacks, and all you've been able to show for it is two Super Bowls in what, three appearances in the Super Bowl over that course of that time with these miraculous QBs. I mean, if I was Aaron Rodgers, I'd be one out of there too. And I just think that. Yeah. it's just it's a sad situation that they put themselves in that they don't want to spend the money and i think him leaving well there's a difference between when brady left boston and and the patriots he won them six super bowls and of course there's going to be a brady statue on every corner you know from pawtucket to hanover but i just don't see that ever happening in in green bay with somebody who won one championship with them and and that was it time will tell i guess i think it'll be kind of like a (laughs) Like a like a LeBron Cleveland kind of thing. Like everybody will be upset for like the first three or four years, but then after that, you'll look back on it and be like, "Yeah, that that dude brought a lot of good memories, a lot of good 
a lot of good games, a lot of great chances to win a Super Bowl to this in this organization, to this city. And I think that at the end of the day, people will kind of remember him. But just for me, just his, just the way he carried himself. He just has a lot to do. All right, moving on to our third down topics. We're going to go over the Chiefs and Ravens game from last week, which defense stepped up the most. And if Nick's prediction did come true, did the team with the most points actually win? <laughs> Nick, we'll start with you on that. Well, I would like to say that um, pretty much everything that I predicted about this game was right, except for the winner, because I did predict the Chiefs. But all in all, yes, the team with the most points won. That's how it works. <laughs> um, what but, a content. Right. I, I would I would just like to say, like I said last week, I knew it was going to be a shootout. I knew that those those two teams were going to score points against each other. Those defenses are really weak, especially with the injuries to the Ravens. And I just think that the Ravens were able to get just, you know, just a, enough to kind of hold the Chiefs back and keep Patrick Mahomes. And the Ravens were able to do enough just off the field. That's just kind of what made the difference. And then, you know, obviously Marquise Brown, again, he's kind of proving that he is going to be that number one wide receiver on that team and that he is going to be a top wide receiver performance that he put on. And then, you know, again, I just think that the Chiefs, the Browns, the Ravens, you know, these are three teams that we're going to kind of see in the mix towards the end of whether that's throughout the playoffs in the AFC Championship. These are all pretty explosive teams on on offense, and you know the Browns are a little bit better on defense than the both of them. But all in all, like I said last week, if you love offensive games, this was the game for you. <laughs> and then if you love guys that that are just running away from danger every single chance they get because they're offensive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I definitely think that the Chiefs' defense definitely did not step up the way I thought that they were going to do, especially the way I thought they did versus. Um, the Browns the, the week before and just silly mistakes that that cost them the game out honestly if we had five quarters the Chiefs probably would have won that game but there, there's only four quarters in the game and they had the opportunity to come back you know you would, how many do they have like two minutes 236 or something left on the clock yep and and then to throw that interception and just kind of it just I definitely thought it was going to be a less scoring game like I said last week but Definitely surprised me. Tehran Matthew was a, a nice return, you know, from from the week before being out. So uh, I was really surprised by this game. I, I didn't think it'd be as high a scoring or as close as it was. Uh, mostly just because of the the injuries to the Ravens, not really having any running backs. You know, bringing in um, Devonta Freeman and um, Le'Veon Bell just out of free agency the week before. All the injuries that they have on defense going up against. You know, what we could say is probably the second best team, if not the best team in the NFL. I thought it was going to be a blowout. I don't do this often, but I'll, I'll admit that I was wrong. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, this, the, the Ravens look, they look good. You know, they looked better than I thought they did. Um, Lamar looked, he looked good. Um, obviously, he's electric running the ball, but he looked a little bit of a better passer than he has shown in the past. And I think showing that he could finally beat the Chiefs is it's a big step for him because we've seen him go against other teams and be you know dynamic. But once he goes against Patrick Mahomes, he kind of shuts down. Um, but he showed that, you know, he's up for the fight and he's not going to back down from going up against Patrick Mahomes. Was that the fourth meeting of them? So he's one for mm-hmm. three against. 
Mahomes. Yeah. Okay. Moving on to our fourth down. We're going to break down the game of the week for next week. It is the Green Bay Packers versus the San Francisco 49ers. Nick, we'll start with you. What do you think this matchup is? I think that, you know, I think we're going to get another game where Aaron Rodgers plays pretty well. I don't think he's going to throw four touchdowns, though. I think the San Francisco 49ers is definitely a lot better than we faced with Detroit. But I I think that San Francisco gets the win only because I just feel that they're a better overall team. Um, obviously, Green Bay has the better quarterback. And Green Bay has the better number one wide receiver. But when you look at the team, the totality sense, I just think San Francisco is better. I think they're clicking on all cylinders. I think that Jimmy G has something to prove. He, you know what I mean? He kind of wants to keep Trey Lance at bay and, and wants to, to make the, the 49ers and, and the fan base realize that that he is the dude that's going to be there for a little bit and he'll be their franchise quarterback and he wants to kind of silence a lot of those naysayers saying just can't get it so I I think that they win I think it's a close game I think that we're looking at maybe a like 28-24 kind of game it's going to come down to the wire you know what I mean somebody's going to have the ball at the end and a chance to win they're just not going to get it done but I think the 49ers squeak it out what about you Dom um I I'm going to agree with Nick. Um, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. It's going to be close. Um, obviously, Aaron Rodgers, like you said, is a better quarterback. But at the end of the day, I, I trust the 49ers defense more than I trust the Packers defense. Um, I know they got some injuries. I think Zadarius Smith is is out, I think, for a couple weeks. Um, I know that the 49ers have a couple of injuries on defense as well. But overall, they're, they're a much better defense. Um, their offense, they can probably hang in with them. So at the end of the day, I think the, the 49ers defense is going to step up and do just enough for um, the 49ers to squeak this one out. Yeah, I was kind of on the fence on this one as far as who I thought was going to win. I think they're both gunslingers. Jimmy G's, you know, shown that he can compete. And obviously Aaron Rodgers has shown that he's still got it in the tank. I think that you're right, Dom. I think that the 49ers have just a slightly better defense. And I think that that's going to be the, the tipping point when it comes down to this, it is a home game for the 49ers. Green Bay did win last year um, when they played, but I think the 49ers are going to squeak it out, probably like a 27-24 type of win. Plus, like I, I know I said that you know, <laughs> the Packers have the better number one wide receiver, but Debo Samuel has been playing pretty nice the first couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. He's, he's kind of a guy to to look at because he could emerge as you know the number one wide receiver for real. And he can kind of emerge as a top wide receiver if you kind of keep putting together these kinds of performances. And he's he's a fast guy, too. So, you know, he's got lots of speed. So if they can actually have, you know, someone like that on that offense to go with Kittle and to go with that running back group, then I, I think that that's going to be a team. Again, when you're looking at Super Bowl contenders, that, that they're going to be right there at the end. All right, moving on to our final segment of the night, the two-point conversion. What are one prediction that you have for next week in football, and did your week before's prediction come true from last week? Nick, I'll start with you. So my prediction last week was that it wasn't – it was a prediction, but it also wasn't a prediction. <laughs> my prediction was that if Aaron Rodgers came out and played like he did in week one, then the Lions would win. So obviously he didn't come out and play like he did in week one and they beat the Lions. So, and and that was a pretty good game. But my prediction this week is, I'm going to kind of shock you guys a little bit, but I think that the Cincinnati Bengals 
You're picking against your beloved Steelers? Jeez. (laughs) You weren't kidding when you said you were going to shock us. Only because this is a – like losing to the Raiders, I wasn't shocked because I had a feeling they were going to be a pretty good team this year. Beating the Bills was definitely a blessing. I think that that was a game that not very many people expected them to get, but it was week one. Everybody played a little bit weird. So I think that that was kind of like one of those, okay, we won that game. But they always they always drop a stoop every year. Like you're at home playing against the Bengals. You should be able to lock that win in. And honestly, you should be able to kind of use this game to get right. But I just have a feeling that for whatever reason, it's going to be a close game and the Bengals are going to win it by like kicking a field goal at the end of the game or something like that. And just because that offense, they can't do anything. And that offensive line is not proving to be any better than what it was last year. So that's, that's my prediction. I think the Bengals will seven, a 17 to 14 game. Right. I mean, it, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. It's something I can definitely see happening with how bad that offense has looked. Yeah. I mean, the def- the defense is all world. Like, I mean, I think that that if you have, but don't forget, we don't know how long TJ Watt's going to be out. Yeah, I mean, but (laughs) (laughs) so that's that's what I'm saying, man. I I think a 17-14 game, Bengals squeak it out. Like that's a, it's just that just seems like it it happens. I don't know why. I hope it doesn't, but (laughs) I I don't know if Joe Joe Burrow puts up another performance like he did versus the Bears. Then what three interceptions in a row? That's just being crazy. Like, I don't think he's going to play not, that bad again. Three interceptions, three passes, three interceptions. That's just – that's nuts. All right, moving on, Dom. What is your prediction for next week, and did yours come true from last week? So my prediction for this week, I think Matt Stafford is finally going to show everyone that he has been an, an elite quarterback his whole career. He's got a primetime game against uh, – well, not primetime, but he's got a nationally televised game against Tampa – going up against Tom Brady. Um, he's looked really good the last couple of weeks. Um, the Tampa defense hasn't looked as dominant as it has last year. Um, I think, I don't know if, I don't think the Rams are going to win this game, but I, I think Matt Stafford's going to have a big day. And then my prediction from last week is, or was that um, Tyler Heineke would solidify himself as a starter in Washington and seeing how he played, you know, three touchdowns, you know, like 430 yards or something like that. Um, I think he definitely made a case, you know, he'll obviously have to keep up their performances. He's not going to solidify himself as a starter based off of one week, um, but it's definitely a great start. And if he can put up, you know, similar numbers going forward, I, I think he's, he's definitely on the right path of locking down that starter job in Washington. Okay. Well, with my prediction from last week, I was said that Justin Fields would step into the not the starter, but would come in at some point in time during the game. In my words, impactful, and that the Bears would win the game. He wasn't necessarily impactful, but he did come in in the game, and they did win the game. So that was something that I'll I'll take as a a win in my column. <laughs> I mean, it, I mean, it depends on what you define as impactful, right? Yeah, I mean, he was able to get some good first downs. He was able to throw the ball. He had a couple runs in, you know, like he kept them moving forward. He had one interception versus Joe Burrow's three. Come on. We weren't even talking about Joe Burrow. (laughs) Okay. Just saying. Don't bring this man into that. My prediction for this coming week, 
I believe that Mac Jones and the Patriots are going to go do two and one against the Saints. I think that just with what they showed, at least on the defensive side versus Zach Wilson last week, I just feel that I think that Jameis maybe doesn't have as much in the tank as people think. And I, I think that the, the Patriots are going to come up with that win and, and have a strong presence going into week four when TB12 comes back to Foxborough. So that's my prediction for for them, for the Patriots to win out against this. Okay. Mac, Mac Jones has looked pretty, pretty nice. I, I think that like out of all the rookie quarterbacks that we've kind of seen so far, I know we haven't really got to see much of Justin Fields. Obviously, the injury to Andy Dalton, if he's enough to keep him out next week, then we'll get a chance to see him as kind of that full starter. But Mac Jones has looked probably the best so far, the guys who have been starting. And I think he fits perfectly into that Patriots offense. I mean, he's kind of a carbon copy of what, you know, Tom Brady was for all those years. Obviously, he's not up to that level yet. But, you know, similar quarterback style. I think he's probably a little bit more mobile, but like not much. And then I just, I think that, like I said, he fits he fits perfectly into what they want to do. They could probably, you know, go back to being dominant and having success here pretty soon. The thing that I, I've just noticed is that there's not a lot of expected of, of Mac Jones. It's just kind of like, hey, go out and play, get some runs, get some scores in, you know, throw the ball a couple of times. We'll, we'll run it here, run it there. And the difference between like Zach Wilson and Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence is that there's more expected out of them going forward in this, this rookie season. And yeah. there's, I think it's true. I mean, I'm, I'm a diehard Patriots fan and teams from Boston love them. We've had so many championships throughout football, baseball, basketball, hockey, that we're kind of like, okay, we're good. You know, like just do what you can do, you know, and we'll, we've had enough for a little bit. So you get, get yourself acclimated and then win us some, championship so there's just less less you know pressure on him to do as well as these other guys have to do yeah yeah i mean there definitely was less hype around him going into the draft than you know obviously trevor lawrence justin fields um and even zach wilson but out of all the rookie quarterbacks i think he was drafted into the best situation you know i mean you look at the the patriots team they they had quite a few guys sit out last year because of covid um didn't really get good quarterback play from Cam, you know. So, I mean, if you look at that roster, they got a solid defense. They got a, they got an all right offense. You know, their, their running game is pretty good. They got a couple wide receivers. Obviously bringing in um, Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry in the offseason helps. So, I mean, he kind of got drafted to a team that was kind of already ready to roll and contend for the playoffs. All he had to do was, you know, not mess up. He was given the keys to the car, and all he had to do was just, you know, drive it straight. And, don't hit and anything. I don't know if you remember when uh, he got drafted and Goodell gave him the hat and everything, and it was all that said and done. He he leans over into Goodell and says, "This is exactly what I wanted to have happen." And with some of these other quarterbacks that were drafted, you know, Trevor Lawrence obviously knew he was going to go to the Jaguars from very early, early on. Trey Lance didn't necessarily where he's going, but he had he had an understanding of where he might go. Justin Fields kind of, you know, you really, but like to be drafted by the team that you wanted to go to, like, oh, this really happened. This is exactly what I wanted to have happen. It just, it, the dominoes fell exactly in Mac Jones's favor completely. Well, I mean, you, you look at the Patriots, like if Tom Brady's still on that roster, that's a Super Bowl contending team. You know what I mean? Even, even with not having like 
I don't think they have the greatest wide receivers in the league, but that's still a team that's competing for a Super Bowl. So if if Mac Jones can play half of what Tom Brady would be able to play on that team right now, I mean that's that's not that's not bad. I mean that's still a team that might be able to compete for you know a playoff spot this year. So I just think that that he really wanted to be in that situation because he was like, that's the only team that looks like I'm going to be able to start right away at and that I'm going to have the most success at. And I I don't know. Yeah, I mean, well, we've seen Tom Brady win with less. I mean, he he made Chris Hogan look like a legitimate slot receiver in the NFL. So, I mean, where where is he now? I I don't even think think he's on a team. All right, moving on to the final segment. It is the football trivia. So I'm going to ask you guys, which quarterback holds the record for the most career interceptions thrown and by how many? Brett Favre. I, okay, yep. That's, I was going to say it's Brett Favre. And I think you, you say how many? By how many ahead? ahead. I think he's because he's got like what, like three. 300 90? or like 400 almost. It's, I think he has like 398 or something like that. I feel like I'm not even close, but. Her, he's probably he's probably I, like 20, 20, 22 interceptions ahead. So he has a total of three hundred and thirty six times that he has been intercepted, and he is ahead of George Blanda, who had two hundred and seventy seven picks in his career. So that's a total of fifty nine more interceptions thrown. But that's pretty good for a you know Hall of Fame QB, three time MVP. You're a Super yeah. Bowl champion, so we'll Listen, give you back, that. Back in the day, he like they just it didn't matter how many interceptions you threw, as long as you can throw the same amount of touchdowns to win the game. Like, I just I think that that's that's crazy. I we, I knew it was Brett Favre. Like right off the bat, I was like, that's that. <laughs> he he was the best player for the Packers and the opposing team every he week. Was, he he was Jameis Winston before Jameis Winston, but but they were okay with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like Jameis Winston threw thirty in a season. It's like everybody's freaking out. But it's like, wait a minute, Favre Favre did a lot, a lot like, more. Favre did that his whole career. Like literally, people forget that we watched like him and Manning and like all these other guys like throw like. 20, 25 interceptions in a season, you know what I mean? But as long as they were throwing, you know, 40 touchdowns in a season, 35 touchdowns in a season, like we were cool with that. So that's pretty crazy. And that's it for this edition of Two Minute Drill. Thank you again, Nick and Don, for joining me. Until next time. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening. If you would like to hear more, feel free to listen to past episodes and look for new ones every Friday. And don't forget to follow us at Deep dive.sport on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook for any update. And please let us know what you would like us to take a deep dive into next. As always, we are Deep Dive Sports. Until next time.